Abba Yahweh, again, you give me the grace to allow me to be a conduit for your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom that you've shared with me and endowed that in my being, Father God, to show only truth, your word and righteousness, Father, to be in your treasury and to be able to share those things with my brothers and sisters and anyone that would have an ear to hear and listen and their heart be drawn to you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Parakletos, Aman. So, back again. And I'm going to share something, um, somewhat of a continuance, but not of what I had already shared about individuals that are um, apologizing for God and saying that it shouldn't have been said that way, they didn't mean it, or other issues, and then also trying to say that the the word is being the word of God is being taught wrong. And okay, you have to understand and know where I'm coming from. We do not have the authority, first of all, to rewrite the Bible. We don't have the authority to stand and say that God made a mistake. And we don't have the authority to take his word back and say that it shouldn't have been said that way. If you're sharing his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom, and you're doing it in righteousness, do not step down, step aside, nor apologize. Your authority that you're taking to do those things you're exceeding the authority that was given by Jesus. Jesus said that we have the authority to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions and to even face the enemy. And those things come from the enemy. And when you start to take more authority than what's given, you better be repentant and you better be asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. And that is the important thing that we have to remember to do. If you are going to share and testify the gospel of God the Father and Jesus, the only begotten Son, and you're going to share those things, you better be doing it in truth. Stand upright, be bold, be courageous, not confrontational, because that gets nowhere. It only shows what you are not understand what I'm saying. It shows that you're not adhering to the tenets of the Lord God. If you're being argumentative, contrary to what the Word says, and you're being confrontational, that's not what the Word talks about. It's very important that you stand upright, be bold and courageous, but not confrontational. Neither Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, nor Ansariah were confrontational with anything, and they were threatened with death. Daniel was going to be cast into the den of lions because the counselors went to the king and lied about something that happened, and they blamed, accused, and condemned Daniel. And what they had done is they had coerced the king into signing a document And then he didn't really want to do it. He was hesitant, but he signed it. He said, yeah, that's that's what I decree. And then what they did is they turned around 
and told him that Daniel had violated that decree that he wrote and that by his own words and his own command, it couldn't be undone. Daniel had to face death. And he took Daniel and he had his guards put him in the den of lions. And the king was very sorry because he had a great deal of respect for Daniel. He knew that his authority came from the God that he believed in and had faith in, and that when he spoke to the king and gave him the, uh, the sermon of the visions and things that he was having, he believed Daniel, and he knew that what Daniel was speaking was truth. Daniel didn't make this up, as his counselors did. Daniel spoke the truth. He stood upright, he was bold, he was courageous, he was truthful, and he spoke in righteousness. And some things he said were not exactly what the king wanted to hear, but he wasn't doing it to be hurtful to the king and to be mischievous and malicious and and, uh, to uh, degrade him or belittle him. He was just telling the king the truth. And the king knew that. The king had faith in Daniel because Daniel had faith in God. But by his own decree, he had Daniel put in the lion's den. He was sorrowful for it. And he did not, he had a fitful night. He did not sleep well. He had fits. He couldn't go to sleep. And he was very anxious for the morning to come. And when the morning did come, and he went down to the lion's den and he called in through the doorway and Daniel answered. And the king was exceedingly glad and happy for this thing. And he was also very upset and distraught with his counselors because he realized that they had lied to him and had tricked him into doing this to Daniel because they were jealous of Daniel. They lied, they cheated, their word was not good, and Daniel was always truthful, always honest and upright. So he was relieved, he destroyed the decree, and then he took those counselors that had Daniel arrested and tricked the king, they got thrown into the lion's den, and they tried to convince the king that, oh, Daniel had some... uh, compatriots that came and they fed the lions before he was put in there so they weren't hungry. And that's how he got away with it. And they kept trying to throw lies and lies and lies against Daniel, that these misdeeds that he had supposedly done. But when they got thrown into the lion's den, the lions fell on them and tore them asunder and devoured them. Pretty obvious that they hadn't been fed. But here's the point that I'm, I'm wanting to get to is many years ago, I had heard this saying and even years before I had, I'd heard the actual comments that were made, there was a, uh, it was said of, of leaders when they wanted their, their uh, generals or their leaders in office to be upright forthright forbearing of the truth and not to be mischievous they said let your word be your bond 
And then I had actually heard the comment made and I'd seen some adults do it. And I, I was privy to some things that my father was around and, and had gone with him sometimes. And, and the men would shake hands and they said, my word is my bond. And, and once in a while I'd hear one of them say, do you want, want to sign something? And the other would respond, no, my word is my bond. If you're okay with that. And the other responded, says, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the greatest things that when my father, my earthly father passed away and at his funeral, many, many, many of the firefighters and he had schooled them, he had trained them and even the chief of the city, he trained that man when he just came in. My father was actually offered the job. He didn't want to, he said, I'm not a politician. He said, I can't do politics. Where I belong is with my men. And firemen after firemen and police officers came up and they spoke of my father. And I saw this. I witnessed this myself. But they spoke openly. And there was a, my gosh, I don't think I'd ever seen a service with so many people there. They were standing around the walls and, and sitting and filled the pews, but they all spoke highly, high regard for my earthly father, how he was a truthful, honest, upright, forthright man. And when he said something, it was that way. Sometimes it wasn't always what they wanted, but he was truthful and he was honest about it. And that's the point that I was trying to get across is that when you speak of God's word, be truthful, honest, forthright. Don't mince words. Don't exacerbate statements and, and take them out to where they don't belong. And it's got to be the word of God the truth. He gave us this word to study this word, to study to show ourselves approved through this word. And I'm going to share with you now, I found a couple scriptures following the rule of faith. Regula fidele, regula fidele, rule of faith. So I'm going to take you into Matthew, Matthew 5. And some of this, you, I look around and I see this happening quite often. And when he's talking, I'm going to go to verse 33 because you've heard people say, oh, it's true. I swear to God. I swear to God. It's true. Well, Right here in the Bible, <laughs> the Word of God, and this is Jesus speaking. I'm going to start in verse 33. And again, ye have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. So don't swear by anything or say, Oh, I swear to God, I'll be there. I swear that. Don't do that. We are told not to do that thing. If you're going to say that you're going to be somewhere 
that oath and what you tell them, you do it as if you're doing it to the Lord. Truthful, upright, forthright, righteous, in truth. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. And sometimes I've heard this, not so much so, but, oh, I swear by everything on this earth, everything that's, I swear I'll get it done. And Jesus acknowledges that. Nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And you don't make any oath except that you're going to get it done simply by your word. Continually reading. In verse 37, this is very important. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. What was he saying there? Like the old saying, let your word be your bond. If you say yes, then it is yes. And if you say nay or no, then it's no. You don't have to do any other oaths. You don't say anything else. You don't expound on this and make it draw it out to be a big deal. And it said, whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You simply say the truth, period. A lot of times I think what this is, uh, I'm going to jump back up to the Old Testament now. Remember the rule of faith. Read from the front to the back and the back to the front. And I have it marked, and then I lost my place. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. I got to look this up one more time because I forgot. Oh, I so apologize. I just got off work too, so I'm I'm a bit tired. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. I was in the wrong chapter. Sorry about that. I was looking for it, and I wasn't even in the right chapter. But if we go back to Isaiah chapter 5, and... If you go to verse 20, very important, and I'm going to share before I share the verse from his book that, that you see and you hear these things going on, and many people, many people, they will say, Something like, uh, I haven't earned so much now, but I used to hear it a few years ago. But 
Hey, if it doesn't hurt somebody, just do it if it feels good. Or they'll say something and then claim it was in jest, that it was a joke. But here's the thing. What they were saying or what they were doing was hurtful. And it was malicious. It was done purposefully. It wasn't an accident. They, they meant to do exactly what they did. And then the person is either physically harmed or they're upset. And then the person will turn around and say, hey, it was just a joke. What's your problem? Well, the problem is that it wasn't a joke because they didn't find it funny. They found it hurtful. And it did hurt somebody. So these things also come into being guarded of how you speak around people. You don't know that what you're saying that is supposed to be a joke, you don't know that it's not doing something to them uh, emotionally and that it's not, not hurting them. How are you going to claim that? You can't. It's not a joke unless you both agree that it's a joke and, and then you carry on and then ha ha ha, you have a laugh together. But if you do something maliciously and it hurts somebody, either emotionally, you don't, help, don't know how it's going to affect them mentally. This is why children have such a hard time with bullies. And bullies will then turn around and say, it was just a joke, Mr. Lancerd or Miss Lancerd. You know, talking to the teacher. They got caught in the middle of this not such a great thing. And it was just a joke. Well, did Johnny think it was a joke? No, Johnny got hurt. He got emotionally hurt and he became distraught. And they had this stuff going on in this alleged thing called social media. How social is it when it causes other children to take their lives because they feel so bullied? And that was happening quite a bit a few years ago. Haven't heard so much about it now, but possibly because the media is just not sharing that. But what I'm saying is you have to be guarded in your speech. You have to be guarded in what you say. The Holy Spirit will guard your tongue. You can, and I, I pray the Holy Spirit to do this with me uh, sometimes in, uh, in a heated environment or someplace where it can be hard. I pray the Spirit to heap coals on my tongue and guard my tongue. The tongue has been called, and it's in the Scriptures. The tongue is like a two-edged sword. What does that mean? Well, here's a translation from my perception. And the things when I share these with you, the Holy Spirit guides me and it's allowed. So I know that I'm speaking truth. And again, I tell you, I will always speak the truth. I'm not going to make things up. The scripture says that the tongue is like a two-edged sword. Back in the days when the Romans were still trooping around and they were fighting, they had a short sword. And it was a unique kind of weapon. And the Romans were, were, were a pretty tough bunch of guys. It was a tough army. They, know, they wore no armor on their back. They only had armor in the front. And some of these fellows, their favorite was to be in close battle and they had that sword. It was made with two edges. It was sharp on both sides. They could use it for cutting and slashing, but what they appreciated most is that when they got in close, they could grab somebody and they stab them and it cuts going in and then when they pull it out, it cuts coming out. 
Why is the tongue in the scriptures likened unto a two-edged sword? Because when you say something that's hurtful and you say something that wounds, it not only wounds when you say it, and then when you, you're done, it lingers and it still wounds and you, and you draw it out, it's still hurtful. That's my perception of what that means. Might not be exactly correct, but it's, it's the same thing. The tongue, the, the mouth and the tongue can be a vicious weapon. Speak truth, speak righteousness. Now we go back to Isaiah and the Old Testament chapter 5 and in verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength who mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the shaft, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That's a pretty powerful statement from Isaiah. One of Lord God's mighty prophets what is Isaiah saying? Isaiah is talking about that very thing that I shared with you. What's your problem? It was just a joke. No, it wasn't. It was something very evil, something very wicked that you had done. It was hurtful. It was done maliciously. And it was done on purpose. And now you're trying to make light of it and say, oh, it was just a joke. It was it's supposed to have been funny. And then they don't apologize. I've been told by the Holy Spirit and by my Lord that I'm kind of a humorous guy. I like humor. But there's a lot of people that may not get what I say or or share the way I do it. And the best thing to do, the prudent thing to do, was apologize. I'm sorry, I, it, it was supposed to be a joke. I, I didn't want to offend you at all. I didn't mean to hurt you. But what happens more oft times than not in this day and the way that individuals are, they continue playing at and then they make fun of the person because they had their feelings hurt or... They were offended by what was said. And it wasn't that they were looking to be offended or they were looking for offense. Remember I say, uh, they who seek offense shall surely find it. Well, the person was innocently standing by and they came up and then they continue 
the torment by making fun of them for being upset about what, what they say, claim was a joke. Just be guarded with how we speak to one another. Speak love. Speak goodness, speak kindness, speak with compassion. And I have learned that lesson that there are many, many, and it saddens my heart a great deal. And through the course of my day, I pray for them. I pray over them because there are many that I encounter, especially in a particular place that I have to work and travel. There are many that have demons that follow them around. And I find and see that there are many that make fun of those individuals that are having issues. How are you to judge them and you can't see what or who they're talking to? It's easy to make light of it or make fun of them. You can't see what they, they're seeing or hearing. And how do you know that there's not a demon that was sent by Satan to keep them in torment, to keep them agitated, to keep bothering them, to keep pestering them? I pray over these folks. And I talk to the Holy Spirit through the course of my day and I just say, Father, I don't know what these demons are, but some of them are really powerful and they're really hurtful toward these individuals. I pray over them. This is what we're supposed to do. Pray one for another. Paul wrote to Timothy, pray for those in authority, the kings and the princes and all those out there. Some of them, far ex their actions far exceed what authority they actually have. We see that happening in, quite honestly, in government all the time and see it now. They have far exceeded authority that they're supposed to have. But we're to pray for them. They can still repent. Most importantly, pray. Always be in prayer. Come to the Lord's gate in thanksgiving and enter his court in praise. Enter his house worshipfully, thankful to be there for the day, praising him for being there, and then worship in his house. I love going to church on Sunday. I've already shared with you some things going on, but you know what? Don't allow. Declare the authority that Jesus gave us. Claim the authority that Jesus gave us. Rebuke the minions of hell. They have no place. Disallow them. And when Jesus is talking about um, when uh, Paul is writing about uh, being angry, but be righteous in your anger. Don't sin in your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You're gonna get up, you're still gonna be mad and maybe even madder than what you were because you've thought about it. You might've even had a dream about it. But he's got a note in there. Don't give place to the devil. 
if you continue doing all these things and you're not upright, bold, courageous, and truthful, you give a space in there. You give a foothold for Satan, to, to, for his minions to be able to come in. Maybe not purposely open the door and say, okay, I'm tired of all this Christian hubbub. Come on in. Minions, get in here. I'm tired. I'm, I want to sit down. I'm going to drink a six-pack of beer. I'm going to get a buzz on. Come on in. Not purposefully doing that. But what Paul's talking about is don't give place to the devil. Because when you do these other things and you're not focused and your mind is kind of wandering, you can get caught into that really easily and you give place and then his minions are going to come and they're going to hang out. I love this in in, uh, my reading here. The writer is using my term. I think they stole it from him, and I have to talk to this person. Just kidding. That was a joke. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't clarify. I should have clarified that so everybody's in on it. What I just say. So, what we need to do is focus on the Lord and not to worry and fret, be fretting. Paul writes about this. And Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing. Um, actually, his word in, in uh, translation is be careful for nothing. Meaning don't care so much that it makes you angry and, or could be, uh, it gets you distraught and you're so caught up in worrying and there's no place for it. And this writer is sharing God speaking Stop worrying long enough to hear my voice speak softly to you. Remember, I shared that with you when Elijah was told to go up onto Mount Hebron. He went up there and God told him to go out on the face of the mountain. And then these great winds and the thundering and the, and the, the lightning and, the, and all the noise that was going on up there, the earthquakes, and then the great pounding rain. And I don't know if any of you have had an opportunity in my travels through the world, courtesy of the United States Marines. Thank you for all that. Um, There were places where it rained so hard, you couldn't even hear anything. Couldn't hear anything. And then he told him to go back in the cave And he could hear the still small voice when God talked to him gently, sweetly, compassionately. And that's what we hear. If we sit, we ponder, and we listen. Lean in and listen to the still small voice. But in this plane of existence that we're in, we have so many things that are going on and we allow them to disrupt our mind. And our mind, as the writer is sharing, your mind shuttles back and forth, hither and yon, and going in and out of anxious confusion. And there are many that allow those happenings to rule their happiness. If all that is going on, they, oh, I've just lost my joy. I I just, I can't find it in myself to be happy today. That's because you let it go. You gave it away. You tossed it and you allowed all that heavy wind to come and blow your happiness away. As his thoughts come in to us and come up because you have 
the devil and his minions that are trying to disrupt our thoughts. And then you have the Holy Spirit that is talking to us, trying to guide us. And a lot of times we can't hear the thoughts that he brings to us. And they get tangled up in all that web of all those things I was sharing about. In the webs of worry and anxiousness. And then I love this part. Thus, my voice is muffled and you hear only white noise. Eh, I'm going to have to call them. They took my statement. But but that's what it's like. And, and some of you, um, there are some out there that are old enough to know what I'm speaking of. And then there are those that are way too young to understand. And they are going to have to look up. What is white noise? What's that mean? Well, let's see if I can describe it to you so that you get a picture of this and understand. Back in the day, when you had an AM, FM radio or stereo, and you were tuning because you had a favorite channel, and you get between channels and the signal's not strong, and you get a bunch of... And you can only hear partial voices... You can only hear partial until you get on the exact frequency and then you pick the signal. But in between, you've got white noise, no clarity, no voice, no music, no nothing, no clarity, just white noise. And I used to sneak out of bed and go out to the other room so I could watch the late night monster movies. Back in my day when I was younger, you didn't get many of those on in the early evening because the kids were still up. So programming director made sure that those things were on late at night. So if you had anything that had really scary monsters or gangsters that were having a gunfight, and back in those days, I'm not talking about the Crips and the Bloods and the Serenios and the Norteños and all that. They didn't have any of that stuff. They had the mafia, the Italian mob, or you had the Irish gangsters fighting over territories. So you had that going on. And those were all late night. I got up to watch the monsters. Wasn't supposed to. And then I fell asleep and the program had finished. I don't even remember what the monster looked like because I fell asleep. But what was on was a broadcasting was done and the signal cut and then the only thing that was on the television was the white noise with no direct signal no direct voice and just buzzing and if you woke up and you looked at the screen of the television all you saw was this what we used to call a snowstorm and you could hear that buzzing crack no no clear voice most of the time though dad woke up because he could hear that buzzing and he would come in and uh, make sure that I got up and went to bed. But sharing in that, the white noise, what we turn around is we ask the Spirit to guide us, to quiet those things. Important that you need to use the Holy Spirit because it was sent for us to use. Jesus said, I will send another and ask my Father to send a comforter, a guide, a teacher. 
it will school you, it will teach you, it will help you, and that Holy Spirit can guide our steps. Them that love the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will guide your steps. Make sure your foot on that path. And I've shared with you before about the weak point of attack that Satan loves to attack all the time is our mind, which is why the helmet of salvation is so important. That is an important piece of the armor that God made for us, the helmet of salvation. And that we need to be transformed. Not to be deafened by that noise and that hubbub that's going on in this world and trying to deal with it with our own thinking and our own figuring, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And let the Holy Spirit become present. And sometimes it takes just sitting down, meditating, a quiet place, and focusing on God. The devil and his minions will try to interfere. But just abide in the Lord and draw his thoughts. He'll share them. The Holy Spirit will come and do that. And in Romans 12, 12, Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. The Holy Spirit will guide us through that. Be guarded in your speech. Speak only truth. Be bold. Be courageous. Be upright and righteous. Nothing. Nothing but truth. God will put his stamp of approval on that. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. And those of you that are unsure, ask somebody to read specific passages in the Bible or go through this with you. But it's an easy thing. You can do it alone. You can do it with that special someone. Or you can do it at the church when they do an altar call. Or you can ask one of the elders to to help guide you through this, and then you simply say the prayer. Yes, I do believe that you, my Lord, are the only begotten Son of God, that you came and sacrificed yourself for me. Yes, I do believe that. I will have faith in you, Father God. Because you, I've been shown in the Bible that these scriptures and verses that you promise these things, and you do. I will have faith that that is what you want from me, Father. Let's go down that path, Holy Spirit. I want you to guide my steps. Keep my, keep my footfalls sure. 
and straight to you. Yes, I do. Yes, I will. Yes, let's go. I do believe I will have faith. Let's go down that path. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. That's all it takes. Hold on and believe. It is very late. I'm going to bed and just maintain truthfulness, uprightness, boldness, and courage. And do not confront, do not compromise. And remember, God doesn't need you to apologize for him or anything that Jesus, my Lord, said. That exceeds any authority that you may believe you have. You don't have that authority. It's very late. I worked all day. I got to work again later this morning. So I'm going to go to sleep, go to bed. You're in my prayers. You're in my thoughts. Going out and coming in. <clears throat> 